nature of your thoughts, gentlemen, when you say you move your lips in a particular way? Do you not see how haphazard this audit is? The devil is in the detail. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a cover-up. There will be plenty of time for questions. And then we will go to Mr. Tom Korski for the answers, because we never get them out of Ottawa otherwise. Let us talk to Mr. Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. Hello there. Hi, Alex. You guys still keep busy, despite the fact that Parliament shut down for the season, yet the headlines still keep rolling in. Oh, there's no end to it, really. Yeah, well, nonetheless. Um, I thought this was interesting. So you got one federal department that suspended its employees without pay, because, of course, the vaccine mandate came in. Despite the fact that the entire workforce, so it was like 99% of the workforce had the COVID shot. And so this is, you know, revealed in this internal audit that you guys found. But the thing is, weren't they all working at home too? Exactly. So what, it doesn't make any sense, does it? This is the Department of Environment. It's the first internal audit we've seen on the vaccine mandate. Here they have over 8,500 employees, 8,530 employees. And of that, they found a total 89 who asked for vaccine waivers on religious or medical grounds. Total of 55 wound up not, uh, or, or rather declining, to discuss their medical status. What sense did it make when 99% of employees were vaccinated and almost all of them were working out of the office anyway? If anyone ever doubted what, what, whether the vaccine mandate was founded in science, <laughs> Where would you ever find, what were they looking for, uh, Alec? I guess it was 100% compliance. So it was like something out of the Soviet Union. You know, uh, we're still waiting really for the courts, privacy commissioners, and others to weigh in on the entire vaccine mandates that were, that were suspended in June. But you look at those figures and you say, this, this had nothing to do with keeping kids safe. This had to do with some sort of crazy bureaucracy that just lurched into gear and no one knew how to stop it. Yeah, I mean, it, it just completely defies logic at this point why we still have, you know, nurses on the front line who can't go to work because, well, they didn't get vaccinated. And, and, you know, this far into things, you're thinking, really? Like, it's just gotten so, it was always so political, but nonetheless, it just shows you how ridiculous it is. Uh, oh, it's absolutely political. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. guaranteed. Meanwhile, trade, trade Minister Mary Ng, um, Never mind avoiding any kind of repercussions, but didn't even get questioned by senators over the sweetheart contract in her first uh, committee appearance since being censured in this ethics report. So members of the Foreign Affairs Committee, they didn't even bother to mention uh, Ng's awarding of her close friends, you know, that she got $23,000 to do media training, even though she invited herself, the senators, ask me anything you want. And so what they talked, climate. Climate change. It's completely normalized now, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alex. That's the takeaway is that. Sweetheart contracting, favoritism, cronyism, breach of an act of parliament. Well, by the way, that's Mary Ng did all those things. Mm. It's completely normalized. It's literally, it's a nothing. It's a nothing. And you had 18 questions asked by the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee uh, on, they covered the gamut. What about Africa? What about climate change? How can we improve the Trade Commissioner service? There was this big elephant in the room, and it was called ethics and accountability, and no one was interested, and that's officialdom in Ottawa. That's where we stand on ethics. It's interesting, Alex. 
We looked up Mary Ng's old uh, ministerial mandate letter after the 2021 election. They didn't even bother putting in the template paragraph on ethics anymore. They used to do that in 2015. They don't even bother anymore because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them, and it doesn't matter to these committees that are supposed to hold ministers accountable. No, but I mean, how can she be disciplined when, you know, Mr. Trudeau had his two ethics uh, breaches? You've got Dominic LeBlanc, who had his ethics breach. You had uh, Bill Morneau, who had his ethics uh, breach. I'm not sure I'm leaving anybody else uh, out. But, I mean, they've had, there, there's so many that they've now set the bar that if we get new government down the road, no one can ever be fired or, or demand accountability. And that's a sad reality, is Tom, is that this all sets the bar moving forward. So if you're good with it with the Liberals doing it, you better be good with other people doing it. Well, I, I actually wonder what the bar is. You're right. In the There's case no bar. of the Prime Minister, his family uh, took $453,000 in, in talent fees and gifts from a federal contractor called We Charity. And that was a nothing. Mm, yeah. So, so it, it does make you wonder what the bar exactly would be. And I, I'm, I, I think you actually nailed it. <laughs> it's whatever you can get away with. And if you get caught, so what? Man, that's dark. That is such a dark place, Alex. Yeah, it is not healthy, no question about it, um, you know, for the country at large. Um, I, I, I find this fascinating as we bicker and, and moan and groan over Bill C-21, uh, the gun legislation that is now kind of completely caught up in a quagmire. But this talks to documentation you guys got on how many guns are smuggled into this country. And this is from a federal briefing note. And the Department of Public Safety, um, they have no idea. They can't figure out the scope of, you know, gun running, even though they have spent $312 million over five years to combat it. I mean, I don't think people realize this, uh, Tom, but we have all these guns that come in, but we don't inspect ships, the containers. We don't inspect trains, those things. Uh, they're coming in. And our government that's trying to change gun laws right now hasn't a clue how bad it is. The implication is, isn't it, uh, that you mentioned uh, they budgeted, they, they always have a bumper sticker budget, and it's a, a third of a billion dollars to crack down on gun smuggling. It appears that they picked that number out of the air. And when they say in these briefing notes, we don't know the extent or scope of uh, gun trafficking in Canada, well, the obvious implication is, well, you're the Department of Public Safety, job one, why don't you get on that? <laughs> and, and and they won't. And so... The, the option they've chosen is increasing regulations. Most Canadians don't own firearms. We know that. The ones who do own very few firearms. And it's frankly, the paperwork and regulation is already tiresome. But the implication here, Alex, is they could ban every legal firearm in Canada. And by cabinet's logic, that should eliminate gun crime. Who thinks that's going to happen? But why wouldn't they get on it when the Customs and Immigration Union says all you have to do is put a thousand firearms in a rail car and ship it across <laughs> through Fort Francis and you're in the clear. We don't even check those anymore. It, it's absolutely baffling why the feds won't do anything about it, but, but they won't. No, but nonetheless, we'll be hearing about this gun bill uh, going into the new year, and maybe maybe that gun bill will will very much take us into the election that everyone says they don't want, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Meantime, um, how is it that Laith Maroof, the, I don't know, I guess Canada's bestest Jew hater ever, um, how is he still on the payroll? What, what's the deal with this? How, how is this guy still getting subsidized for his, his anti-Semitic spewing? This is 
a man who has calls himself a senior consultant for a uh, nonprofit corporation that is essentially his wife and himself. Community Advocacy Center, Media Advocacy Center. Once again, they are published, their work, their musings on the trouble with broadcasting in Canada today are published in a taxpayer-funded periodical called the Canadian Journal of Communications. That journal would not exist if it was not for six figures in subsidies from the taxpayers of Canada. I agree with you. It is absolutely inexplicable, as the Leith Maroof story is from the get-go. Somehow this guy, even though he fantasized on Twitter about shooting Jews, got the secret handshake. And once you're on that circuit, you never get off. That's the takeaway. And he, his work is still, to this day, benefiting from federal subsidies. And you say, it, once again, I guess it sounds repetitive. What does it take? I, anyway, I guess we're not there yet with <laughs> Maroof. It's inexplicable. Well, it is. But again, speaking to that point of accountability, uh, no one, uh, not Mr. Rodriguez, um, you know, he's nowhere to be seen. He hasn't been disciplined. No, no one, no one has even been forced to explain it really other than a bumbled out tweet saying, oops, sorry, won't let that happen again. No one is ever held to account. No one's head has rolled for this. And that's why it happens. It is an accountability free zone, isn't it? It's it's a seven block area around Parliament Hill. I, 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 it is the Bermuda Triangle of accountability. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're you, and then you guys get the cops. All right. Well, nonetheless, Tom, we'll see what else you dig up before the holidays kick in. And uh, always appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Alex. That is Tom Korski keeping them accountable because they need to be at Blacklock's Reporter, subscription based and very much. Worth the investment.